This week marks one month since devastating quakes hit Turkey and Syria, killing tens of thousands of people. More than 1.5 million people were left homeless after half a million apartments collapsed or were badly damaged. My next guest headed the reconstruction effort in Iraq and is now on the ground in Turkey as efforts shift from emergency response to the recovery phase. Daniel Speckhard was the US ambassador to Greece and Belarus and is now the president of the humanitarian organisation Chorus International. Daniel, welcome to RM Breakfast. Thank you. We've all seen the images and the video footage of cities that have been turned to rubble. But now that you're actually seeing it with your own eyes on the ground, in that, on that land, can you describe the level of devastation unfolding? Yes, it's something that you can't prepare yourself until you see it. Uh, you know, a, a camera just can't capture the images in their full scope. So I had seen the pictures before I came and seen the photographs. But when you see it in person, you're just your mind can't take it in. It can't quite understand what it's looking at because the devastation is so significant. The buildings that have just completely turned to rubble with nothing left, just completely pancaked and smashed in. Buildings that are crooked and at funny angles that just make your mind feel a little off or like you're not standing straight. And just entire cities have become uninhabitable. I know people are thinking about the number of you know apartments that have been lost. I think you mentioned that in your introduction. Um, and it's true, they've lost all their homes, but it's not just the homes. They've lost the businesses. All the businesses were closed in Kirkon today when I visited the city People are not living in the buildings that are still standing because they're afraid uh, that they're uh, unstructurally unsound. The schools are not open. The hospitals have been destroyed. The water treatment plants, there's no uh, running water in the city. It just has become almost inhabitable like an apocalypse. So many people have been left homeless, as you say, either because their buildings completely collapsed or they don't feel like it's safe enough to live in. Where are they sheltering? Well, all sorts of places. There's been a significant group of the population that have been able to have the resources to go to Adana, about 100 kilometres away, which is still in the earthquake zone, but it feels much safer than here at Ground Zero. Some have gone to live with relatives in Istanbul or other parts of the country, but many have not been able to leave. And for those, they're living in tents. And the tents are in tent cities, but they're also just tents everywhere in all the little spots next to the buildings and the corners and the driveways and the parking lots of all the different places have tents have butted up. And, you know, it's still very cold in the evening here. In fact, there was snow just 10 days ago. So you can imagine most of the tents don't have any heating in them. It's, it's still a very difficult situation. I went to a tent camp today in Kirkan, 1,200 people. They had eight toilets for those 1,200 people. So it can give you a sense, again, of the challenges of maintaining health in these places, of what it's like for your dignity when you have that many people struggling to use that few of toilets. No real place to bathe or stay clean, and the stories of the families were just heartbreaking. The disaster produced about 210 million tonnes of rubble. Has any of it been removed? 
Well, you can see efforts are now starting to try to move it out and to clear some areas, but the reality is it's just overwhelming for the system. So most of the rubble is still here. Most of the buildings are the way they were just after the earthquakes. And it's going to take a very long time because of the size and the magnitude of what you just talked about. But it's less about removing the rubble because, you know, it's like they're going, the cities, as I said, are so structurally unsound right now, just moving one building, the next building right next to it may still be standing, but it might have to be demolished, right? And literally, probably for some of these cities, most of the buildings will have to be demolished and the cities rebuilt. So what a lot of the nonprofits like ours are looking at is that they're going to have to plan at least uh, for a year to have people in tents in tent cities. But even that is an overwhelming task, given the numbers that we're talking about here. You headed the U.S.'s reconstruction effort in Iraq. So you give me a little bit of a picture, but if you could just kind of zoom out, what's involved in a mission like this for you? What does it what does it look like to try and get to this new phase of rebuilding? First of all, it does look a lot like a war zone, in some ways worse than a war zone, because the devastation is almost like carpet bombing in the context of how many buildings have been damaged and the impact it has had on so many families, and it's not localized to specific targets. But in terms of how you kind of approach it, you need to be looking at not just the recovery and this urgent sense of getting people into tents and humanitarian assistance, but how you kind of ensure that you're building a stable platform for that to last for long enough until you can find more permanent housing for these people. It's going to take time to build permanent housing, right? And so the important thing is that you move very quickly in ensuring that there's uh, water, sanitation, and health facilities for these populations because diseases can start to spread very quickly when people get in concentrated areas. You have to think about the children because what starts happening is children start losing out on their schooling and education, and then you'll end up starting to lose a whole other generation if you don't pay attention to that stuff, even though it doesn't feel quite like humanitarian aid. When you think about these children, in fact, it really is a humanitarian need to even think about issues like education. Psychosocial support, it's just overwhelming the trauma that the people of this region have been through. Many of these families that you'll talk to look like they're walking in a fog, right? They just, they haven't even come out of it. They can't imagine it, right? They're stories that we have had told to us of a mother with two children buried in the rubble for three days. And one of her children died in her arms under there. She's now out with her other child. But, you know, three weeks later, she's still just not even able to absorb what has happened here. And that's just happened literally, as you said, with the numbers at the beginning by the tens and hundreds of thousands of people who've lost uh, families, uh, relatives and loved ones. So the psychological trauma, too, needs to be treated for these people to help them stabilize or that mental health issues will turn into physical health issues for them. It's uh, devastating. What a really tragic story you just shared with us. Can you give a timeline as to when Turkey could be back on its feet? I mean, the, the, I suppose it's all in the, your definition of being back on your feet, but talk me through what this process might look like over the coming months or years. These kinds of things take three to five years before you really start seeing coming out of the other end of this. And for some of these cities and provinces, it could be longer than that, where the devastation was almost total and complete. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
US Ambassador Daniel Speckhard is the president of the humanitarian organisation Chorus International, speaking to us there from Turkey's quake hit zones. And you're listening to ABC RN Breakfast. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.